chapter thirty of the history of pendennis this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the history of pendennis by william makepeace thackeray the knights of the temple colleges schools and inns of courts still have some respect for antiquity and maintain a great number of the customs and institutions of our ancestors with which those persons who do not particularly regard their forefathers or perhaps are not very well acquainted with them have long since done away a well-ordained workhouse or prison is much better provided with the appliances of health comfort and cleanliness than a respectable foundation school a venerable college or a learned inn in the latter place of residence men are contented to sleep in dingy closets and to pay for the sitting-room and the cupboard which is their dormitory the price of a good villa and garden in the suburbs or of a roomy house in the neglected squares of the town the poorest mechanic in spitalfields has a cistern and an unbounded supply of water at his command but the gentlemen of the inns of court and the gentlemen of the universities have their supply of this cosmetic fetched in jugs by laundresses and bedmakers and live in abodes which were erected long before the custom of cleanliness and decency obtained among us there are individuals still alive who sneer at the people and speak of them with epithets of scorn gentlemen there can be but little doubt that your ancestors were the great unwashed and in the temple especially it is pretty certain that only under the greatest difficulties and restrictions the virtue which has been pronounced to be next to godliness could have been practised at all old grump of the norfolk circuit who had lived for more than thirty years in the chambers under those occupied by warrington and pendennis and who used to be awakened by the roaring of the shower-baths which those gentlemen had erected in their apartments a part of the contents of which occasionally trickled through the roof into mr grump's room declared that the practice was an absurd new-fangled dandified folly and daily cursed the laundress who slopped the staircase by which he had to pass grump now much more than half a century old had indeed never used the luxury in question he had done without water very well and so had our fathers before him of all those knights and baronets lords and gentlemen bearing arms whose escutcheons are painted upon the walls of the famous hall of the upper temple was there no philanthropist good-natured enough to devise a set of hummums for the benefit of the lawyers his fellows and successors the temple historian makes no mention of such a scheme there is pump court and fountain court with their hydraulic apparatus but one never heard of a bencher disporting in the fountain and can't but think how many a council learned in the law of old days might have benefited by the pump nevertheless those venerable inns which have the lamb and flag and the winged horse for their ensigns have attractions for persons who inhabit them and a share of rough comforts and freedom which men always remember with pleasure i don't know whether the student of law permits himself the refreshment of enthusiasm 
or indulges in poetical reminiscences as he passes by historical chambers and says yonder eldon lived upon this site coke mused upon littleton here chitty toiled here barnwall and alderson joined in their famous labours here biles composed his great work upon bills and smith compiled his immortal leading cases here gustavus still toils with solomon to aid him but the man of letters can't but love the place which has been inhabited by so many of his brethren or peopled by their creations as real to us at this day as the authors whose children they were and sir roger de coverley walking in the temple garden and discoursing with mr spectator about the beauties and hoops and patches who are sauntering over the grass is just as lively a figure to me as old samuel johnson rolling through the fog with the scotch gentleman at his heels on their way to dr goldsmith's chambers in brick court or harry fielding with inked ruffles and a wet towel round his head dashing off articles at midnight for the covent garden journal while the printer's boy is asleep in the passage if we could but get the history of a single day as it passed in any one of those four-storied houses in the dingy court where our friends penn and warrington dwelt some temple asmodeus might furnish us with a queer volume there may be a great parliamentary council on the ground floor who drives off to belgravia at dinner-time when his clerk too becomes a gentleman and goes away to entertain his friends and to take his pleasure but a short time since he was hungry and briefless in some garret of the inn lived by stealthy literature hoped and waited and sickened and no clients came exhausted his own means and his friend's kindness had to remonstrate humbly with duns and to implore the patience of poor creditors ruin seemed to be staring him in the face when behold a turn of the wheel of fortune and the lucky wretch in possession of one of those prodigious prizes which are sometimes drawn in the great lottery of the bar many a better lawyer than himself does not make a fifth part of the income of his clerk who a few months since could scarcely get credit for blacking for his master's unpaid boots on the first floor perhaps you will have a venerable man whose name is famous who has lived for half a century in the inn whose brains are full of books and whose shelves are stored with classical and legal lore he has lived alone all these fifty years alone and for himself amassing learning and compiling a fortune he comes home now at night alone from the club where he has been dining freely to the lonely chambers where he lives a godless old recluse when he dies his inn will erect a tablet to his honour and his heirs burn a part of his library would you like to have such a prospect for your old age to store up learning and money and and so but we must not linger too long by mr doomsday's door worthy mr grump lives over him who is also an ancient inhabitant of the inn and who when doomsday comes home to read catullus is sitting down with three steady seniors of his standing to a steady rubber at whist after a dinner at which they have consumed their three steady bottles of port you may see the old boys asleep at the temple church of a sunday attorneys seldom trouble them and they have small fortunes of their own on the other side of the third landing where penn and warrington live till long after midnight sits mr paley 
who took the highest honours and who is a fellow of his college who will sit and read and note cases until two o'clock in the morning who will rise at seven and be at the pleader's chambers as soon as they are open where he will work until an hour before dinner-time who will come home from hall and read and note cases again until dawn next day when perhaps mr arthur pendennis and his friend mr warrington are returning from some of their wild expeditions how differently employed mr paley has been he has not been throwing himself away he has only been bringing a great intellect laboriously down to the comprehension of a mean subject and in his fierce grasp of that resolutely excluding from his mind all higher thoughts all better things all the wisdom of philosophers and historians all the thoughts of poets all wit fancy reflection art love truth altogether so that he may master that enormous legend of the law which he proposes to gain his livelihood by expounding warrington and paley had been competitors for university honours in former days and had run each other hard and everybody said now that the former was wasting his time and energies whilst all people praised paley for his industry there may be doubts however as to which was using his time best the one could afford time to think and the other never could the one could have sympathies and do kindnesses and the other must needs be always selfish he could not cultivate a friendship or do a charity or admire a work of genius or kindle at the sight of beauty or the sound of a sweet song he had no time and no eyes for anything but his law-books all was dark outside his reading-lamp love and nature and art which is the expression of our praise and sense of the beautiful world of god were shut out from him and as he turned off his lonely lamp at night he never thought but that he had spent the day profitably and went to sleep alike thankless and remorseless but he shuddered when he met his old companion warrington on the stairs and shunned him as one that was doomed to perdition it may have been the sight of that cadaverous ambition and self-complacent meanness which showed itself in paley's yellow face and twinkled in his narrow eyes or it may have been a natural appetite for pleasure and joviality of which it must be confessed mr penn was exceedingly fond which deterred that luckless youth from pursuing his designs upon the bench or the woolsack with the ardour or rather steadiness which is requisite in gentlemen who would climb to those seats of honour he enjoyed the temple life with a great deal of relish his worthy relatives thought he was reading as became a regular student and his uncle wrote home congratulatory letters to the kind widow at fair oaks announcing that the lad had sown his wild oats and was becoming quite steady the truth is that it was a new sort of excitement to penn the life in which he was now engaged and having given up some of the dandified pretensions and fine gentleman airs which he had contracted among his aristocratic college acquaintances of whom he now saw but little the rough pleasures and amusements of a london bachelor were very novel and agreeable to him and he enjoyed them all time was he would have envied the dandies their fine horses in rotten row but he was contented now to walk in the park and look at them he was too young to succeed in london society without a better name and a larger fortune than he had and too lazy to get on without these adjuncts old pendennis fondly thought he was busied with law because he neglected the social advantages presented to him and having been at half a dozen balls and evening parties retreated before their dullness and sameness 
and whenever anybody made inquiries of the worthy major about his nephew the old gentleman said the young rascal was reformed and could not be got away from his books but the major would have been almost as much horrified as mr paley was had he known what was mr penn's real course of life and how much pleasure entered into his law studies a long morning's reading a walk in the park a pull on the river a stretch up the hill to hampstead and a modest tavern dinner a bachelor night passed here or there in joviality not vice for arthur pendennis admired women so heartily that he never could bear the society of any of them that were not in his fancy at least good and pure a quiet evening at home alone with a friend and a pipe or two and a humble potation of british spirits whereof mrs flanagan the laundress invariably tested the quality these were our young gentleman's pursuits and it must be owned that his life was not unpleasant in term time mr penn showed a most praiseworthy regularity in performing one part of the law student's course of duty and eating his dinners in hall indeed that hall of the upper temple is a sight not uninteresting and with the exception of some trifling improvements and anachronisms which have been introduced into the practice there a man may sit down and fancy that he joins in a meal of the seventeenth century the bar have their messes the students their tables apart the benchers sit at the high table on the raised platform surrounded by pictures of judges of the law and portraits of royal personages who have honoured its festivities with their presence and patronage penn looked about on his first introduction not a little amused with the scene which he witnessed among his comrades of the student class there were gentlemen of all ages from sixty to seventeen stout grey-headed attorneys who were proceeding to take the superior dignity dandies and men about town who wished for some reason to be barristers of seven years standing swarthy black-eyed natives of the colonies who came to be called here before they practised in their own islands and many gentlemen of the irish nation who made a sojourn in middle temple lane before they returned to the green country of their birth there were little squads of reading students who talked law all dinner-time there were rowing men whose discourse was of sculling matches the red house vauxhall and the opera there were others great in politics and orators of the students debating clubs with all of which sets except the first whose talk was an almost unknown and a quite uninteresting language to him mr penn made a gradual acquaintance and had many points of sympathy the ancient and liberal inn of the upper temple provides in its hall and for a most moderate price an excellent wholesome dinner of soup meat tarts and port wine or sherry for the barristers and students who attend that place of refection the parties are arranged in messes of four each of which quartets has its piece of beef or leg of mutton its sufficient apple pie and its bottle of wine but the honest habitues of the hall amongst the lower rank of students who have a taste for good living have many harmless arts by which they improve their banquet and innocent dodges if we may be permitted to use an excellent phrase that has become vernacular since the appearance of the last dictionaries by which they strive to attain for themselves more delicate food than the common everyday roast meat of the students tables wait a bit said mr loughton one of these temple gourmands wait a bit said mr loughton tugging at penn's gown the side tables are very full and there's only three benchers to eat ten dishes if we wait perhaps we shall get something from their table and penn looked with some amusement as did mr loughton 
with eyes of fond desire towards the bench's high table where three old gentlemen were standing up before a dozen silver dish covers while the clerk was quavering out a grace loughton was great in the conduct of the dinner his aim was to manage so as to be the first a captain of the mess and to secure for himself the thirteenth glass of the bottle of port wine thus he would have the command of the joint on which he operated his favourite cuts and made rapid dexterous appropriations of gravy which amused pen infinitely poor jack loughton thy pleasures in life were very harmless an eager epicure thy desires did not go beyond eighteen pence pen was somewhat older than many of his fellow-students and there was that about his style and appearance which as we have said was rather haughty and impertinent that stamped him as a man of temps very unlike those pale students who were talking law to one another and those ferocious dandies in rowing shirts and astonishing pins and waistcoats who represented the idle part of the little community the humble and good-natured loughton had felt attracted by pen's superior looks and presence and had made acquaintance with him at the mess by opening the conversation this is boiled beef day i believe sir said loughton to pen upon my word sir i'm not aware said pen hardly able to contain his laughter but added i'm a stranger this is my first term on which loughton began to point out to him the notabilities in the hall that's boozy the bencher the bald one sitting under the picture and aving soup i wonder whether it's turtle they often ab turtle next is balls the king's council and sweatenham hodge and sweatenham you know that's old grump the senior of the bar they say he's dined here forty years they often send him down their fish from the benchers to the senior table do you see those four fellows seated opposite us those are regular swells tip-top fellows i can tell you mr trail the bishop of ealing's son honourable fred ringwood lord sinkbar's brother you know he'll have a good place i bet any money and bob suckling who's always with him a high fellow too ha ha here loughton burst into a laugh what is it said pen still amused i say i like to mess with those chaps loughton said winking his eye knowingly and pouring out his glass of wine and why asked pen why they don't come down here to dine you know they only make believe to dine they dine here law bless you they go to some of the swell clubs or else to some grand dinner party you see their names in the morning post at all the fine parties in london why i bet anything that ringwood has his cab or trail his broom he's a devil of a fellow and makes the bishop's money spin i can tell you at the corner of essex street at this minute they dine they won't dine these two hours i dare say but why should you like to mess with them if they don't eat any dinner pen asked still puzzled there's plenty isn't there how green you are said loughton excuse me but you are green they don't drink any wine don't you see and a fellow gets the bottle to himself if he likes it when he messes with those three chaps that's why corcoran got in with them ah mr loughton i see you are a sly fellow pen said delighted with his acquaintance on which the other modestly replied that he had lived in london the better part of his life and of course had his eyes about him and went on with his catalogue to pen there's a lot of irish here he said that corcoran's one and i can't say i like him you see that handsome chap with the blue neckcloth and pink shirt and yellow waistcoat that's another that's malloy maloney of bally maloney and nephew of major-general sir hector o'dowd he he loughton said trying to imitate the hibernian accent he's always bragging about his uncle and came into hall and silver striped trousers the day he had been presented 
that other near him with the long black hair is a tremendous rebel by jove sir to hear him at the form it makes your blood freeze and the next is an irishman too jack finnecane reporter of a newspaper they all stick together those irish it's your turn to fill your glass what you won't have any port don't like port with your dinner here's your health and this worthy man found himself not the less attached to pendennis because the latter disliked port wine at dinner it was while pen was taking his share of one of these dinners with his acquaintance loughton as the captain of his mess that there came to join them a gentleman in a barrister's gown who could not find a seat as it appeared amongst the persons of his own degree and who strode over the table and took his place on the bench where pen sat he was dressed in old clothes and a faded gown which hung behind him and he wore a shirt which though clean was extremely ragged and very different to the magnificent pink raiment of mr malloy maloney who occupied a commanding position in the next mess in order to notify their appearance at dinner it is the custom of the gentlemen who eat in the upper temple hall to write down their names upon slips of paper which are provided for that purpose with a pencil for each mess loughton wrote his name first then came arthur pendennis and the next was that of the gentleman in the old clothes he smiled when he saw pen's name and looked at him we ought to know each other he said we're both boniface men my name's warrington are you st blank warrington pen said delighted to see this hero warrington laughed stunning warrington yes he said i recollect you in your freshman's term but you appear to have quite cut me out the college talks about you still said pen who had a generous admiration for talent and pluck the barge man you thrashed bill signs don't you remember want you up again at oxbridge the miss notleys the haberdashers hush said warrington glad to make your acquaintance pendennis heard a good deal about you the young men were friends immediately and at once deep in college talk and pen who had been acting rather the fine gentleman on a previous day when he pretended to loughton that he could not drink port wine at dinner seeing warrington take his share with a great deal of gusto did not scruple about helping himself any more rather to the disappointment of honest loughton when the dinner was over warrington asked arthur where he was going i thought of going home to dress and hear grissy in norma pen said are you going to meet anybody there he asked pen said no only to hear the music of which he was fond you had much better come home and smoke a pipe with me said warrington a very short one come i live close by in lamb court and we'll talk over boniface and old times they went away loughton sighed after them he knew warrington was a baronet's son and he looked up with simple reverence to all the aristocracy pen and warrington became sworn friends from that night warrington's cheerfulness and jovial temper his good sense his rough welcome and his never-failing pipe of tobacco charmed pen who found it more pleasant to dive into shilling taverns with him than to dine in solitary state amongst the silent and polite frequenters of the polyanthus ere long pen gave up the lodgings in st james's to which he had migrated on quitting his hotel and found it was much more economical to take up his abode with warrington in lamb court and furnish and occupy his friend's vacant room there for it must be said of pen that no man was more easily led than he to do a thing when it was a novelty or when he had a mind to it and pigeon the youth and flanagan the laundress divided their allegiance now between warrington and pen End of chapter thirty